Welcome, guys.
lawmakers are, our teachers that are in our education system, Lord, that you convict them and bring them back into right thinking, Lord, the biblical thinking that the information that they want to dispel to our children, that they would recognize how sinful it is, Lord that they would return to what our country was founded on, that they would teach our children biblical right from wrong. Mm -hmm. We just pray for the hearts and minds of our students as they go back. We pray that if there's sinful information being given to them, Lord, that you would just block it from their minds, Lord, that you would not allow them to absorb it, that it would just as we say, going one ear and out the other, Lord. And if their parents would be strong, that they would stand up, and that they would enforce or, or reinforce your truth, Lord, around the dinner table at night, around the breakfast table in the morning, Lord. Their children would know what your word said. Just look these and Lord, we invite you to be a part of this service today. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would touch people's bodies who are sitting here who are uh, feeling not well that you will touch their bodies and heal their sicknesses. Lord, we pray for uh, worship, that this will be a time to lift you up, and we will all just uh, feel your presence as we uh, get a chance to love you. Lord, we're so thankful for what you've done for us on the cross, and we just uh, commit this time to you. In your name we pray, amen. Sometimes when we're, we're, we're doing the list, um, without realizing that there's a theme, and um, a theme that after the, the songs came together, and this week Madeline was really a, a real blessing. She was helping me put the list together, and, and, um, and, and part of the theme is that he's coming again, and he's coming on the clouds. Amen. So, so we're going to worship. Let's stand as we worship the Lord this morning. And for those who are still online, and many of them may have left because they couldn't hear the prayer. Um, but if you're still there, let, we're going to worship.
lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battle. Every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before him. So open up the gates, make way before the is here to set the captives free who can stop the lord almighty our god is the lion the lion of Judah. he's roaring with power and fighting our battle
Oh, 
sing you are holy singing you are holy great and mighty the moon and the stars declare who you are i'm so unworthy but still you love me forever my heart will sing of how great you are You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again. You are so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You are my Father in heaven. Sing that again. You are so good to me. You heal my broken heart. You are my Father in heaven. Because you are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again. You ride upon the clouds. You lead me to the truth. You are the spirit inside me. You ride upon the clouds, you lead me to the truth, you are the spirit inside me, cause you are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song, you are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song, you are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. Sing again. You are my strong melody. You are my strong melody. You are my dancing rhythm. You are my perfect rhyme. And I will sing of cross you are my jesus who loves me you poured out all your blood you died upon the cross you are my jesus who loves me you are beautiful my sweet sweet song you are beautiful my sweet sweet song you are beautiful 
chorus one more time because you are beautiful my sweet sweet song and you are beautiful my sweet sweet song and you are beautiful my sweet sweet song i'll sing again sing with light instruments and lots of voices you are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again. Sing again. worship you, Lord. We sing to you, God, because you are beautiful. You're beautiful, Lord. Jesus, as we talked about last week, will continue this week. He was bringing the gospel, the good news that the kingdom of God is here. And we are recipients of the gospel, the kingdom of God. We're going to have communion this morning, so you can continue to worship. You can stand, you can sit. We're going to ask the, the ushers and, and, and leaders to pass out the elements as we wait on him. If When you get the... the bread and the, and the juice. Go ahead and hold on to it. We're going to take it together. You know, we celebrate the love of Jesus in our life. And the love of God and the love of Jesus for us is so great because the Bible teaches us this, uh, such a profound but simple truth that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, whosoever, who do you have in your life that's a whosoever right now? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This message is for everyone, everyone who's, who's unsaved. It doesn't matter how far they feel away from Christ. It doesn't matter any of those things. Whosoever believeth in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. God's love. It says that it's God's love that draws us and his kindness and his mercy that draws us to repentance. The Bible says that he's calling all of us 
this morning we most of us in here are recipients we've we heard that call we we've all been called but not everyone has heard and responded to the call if you're in here this morning and and you and that's you you responded to the call of god to come to him even as the scriptures teach come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest if you've carried your burden of sin no longer and you've given it to jesus and said forgive me of my sins I repent. I turn away from those sins. I don't want to do those things anymore. I want to follow you. If you've done that, then you're saved. And this communion is about celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus and us having relationship with him. And if you happen to be here and that you've never done that, you can do that right now. And it doesn't take much. It's just to turn your heart and say, God, I've tried to live my own way. I've tried to carry my, my load. I've tried to earn my way to heaven and I, I can't do it. I've heard that the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of those sin is death, is hell, it's eternal separation. I don't want to be separated from you any longer. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me a new creation. I'm gonna, I want to follow you and I'll need help doing that. If you pray a prayer something like that, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you, if you just did that, then you're saved. And, and it's a time to now begin to follow him, and we're going to take the communion together. And the, the bread that we have, it's, it's actually a, it's matzah bread. And it, it, it looks like a cracker, but it's, it's actually the bread that they would have eaten at the Passover supper coming out of Egypt. It's, it's made without leaven. And, and it was made in a hurry. They didn't have time to let it rise. But Jesus, when he came to earth, he had a supper with his disciples, the last supper that he had with his disciples. And, and, and before he went to the cross, and he said, he took that, that matzah bread, and he broke it. And I think that symbolized that he was about to break his body. His body would be soon broken. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And it hadn't broken yet, but it was just about to. And he, and he gave thanks for it, which we're going to do. God, we thank you for the bread. It is the bread of life, and we thank you for his life. And we thank you for this bread and his body. As we take it together, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. Let's take the bread together. That same night, he took a cup, and there would have been multiple cups of wine during a Seder dinner at Passover. He took, he took the cup of, of wine, and this is just juice, just so you know. And they had, they had drank wine. They were, they were big wine drinkers. They drank wine at, at a lot of their, their festivals and feasts and dinner, and wine was, was popular. But the, that night, the Passover was reminding of the blood of the lamb that was put on the doorways, but Jesus said, this, this is my blood. And it, it doesn't turn to blood, but he said, this is representing of my blood. It's a new covenant. It's a new relationship that we have. I'm about to do something outside, above the law's requirements, I'm going to die. I'm going to be the perfect lamb for you. 
we needed a sacrifice for our sins because when someone sins, somebody has to pay. Jesus paid for your sin. And he, and he took that cup and said, this is a new covenant in my blood spilled for you. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. It means so much, and we do this every month. God, never let it grow old or grow cold. Help us to always remember the sacrifice of Jesus for us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Let's take of the juice together. Father, we thank you. You are great and mighty. God, we love you. And we want to be obedient to loving our neighbor as well. So turn to someone, greet them, love them, hug them, and uh, introduce yourself if you don't know them. And uh, amen. Journey Church. How's everybody doing? You look beautiful. You look great. All right. Oh, oh there's an update, I think, on Mona. She's doing well, and if you want to call, find my mama. I should get you that number. So. Well, welcome. Hey, if it's your first time here with us today, we're so excited to have you joining us, and we would love to get connected with you. One way that you can do that is there are connection cards in the pockets of the seats. You can fill those out and put them in the tithe and offering boxes that are in the back of this room here, 
or you can put them in the bags as we collect our offering. Um, and then also, if it's your first time here and you didn't get a welcome packet, um, raise your hand, because the cool thing about that welcome packet is that there is a little coupon in there for a free drink at the Illuminate Youth Group Cafe. I don't know if you guys noticed my hat tonight, but it says, all I need is Jesus and coffee, and uh, that's about it for Jesse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, you can get your coffee at the Illuminate Youth Group Cafe, and all those funds go towards helping the youth group. Speaking of helping the youth group, once again, we are doing our annual yard sale as our youth fundraiser, and that's going to be Labor Day weekend. And so if you have stuff that you're cleaning out and you want to donate, and uh, once again, all those funds go towards the youth group. Also, we can also provide a tax write-off letter. So if there's some big things in there, we can definitely write a letter for that. Or if you want to help with setting up or taking down, all hands are needed or any <laughs> available hands that are willing to come and help out, we would love for you to help. We're set up during the week before and then take down. We generally do um, Sunday after service and then we'll even feed you afterwards. Some hot dogs or hamburgers and stuff like that. So it'll be a good time to hang out. And then speaking of hot dogs and hamburgers, we're going to start doing the last three Sundays of August a worship and prayer night with hot dogs and hamburgers included. So we're going to get fed not only by the word and by our fellowship with each other, but we're going to get fed with hot dogs and hamburgers too. So <laughs> it's going to be grand old time. That's going to be at 5 o'clock on the Sundays, which again is the last three Sundays of August. I don't know the actual dates of that, so we'll have to pull out a calendar. <laughs> and look that up. So we're excited to get together and fellowship with one another during that time. Oh, also, if you are a junior high or high school, they are meeting in the back, so you're welcome to go and um, learn back there if you like. So. Um, or you can hang out here with us because we're cool too. Um, <laughs> well, I think that's all the actual announcements that I have for you guys. So we're just going to continue our time of worship and receive our tithes and offerings. Um, I was thinking just kind of as an extension of, you know, us taking part of communion. You know, when we give of our tithes and our offerings, God asks us to give 10% of our income, right? So we're giving 10% back to him, what he's provided already for us. And I was thinking about how God gave us everything. As we're talking about, he gave his entire body. He gave all of his blood. And not just the physical part that he gave to us, but the sacrifice that the weight of our sins were upon him. And literally, he gave everything for us. So why wouldn't we want to give back to him? And the reason we give back is so that we can invest into the kingdom of God, so that we can raise up our church body, so that we can continue on in the ministries that we have, because more importantly, we need to tell the world about who Jesus is. They need to know that there is a Savior, that there is a God that loves them and made everything, or he did everything in his means to make sure that we could have a right relationship with him. And so that's just a part of why we give into the church and why we give back to what he's already given to us. And so we're super excited and we want to we want to give with a joyful heart. And so let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and our offerings now. Father, we thank you, God, that you did. You gave us everything. Father, from from each drop of blood that was given from each um, broken part of your body, God, that you had each and every one of us in mind as you hung upon that cross. God, that we're not just all this big corporate group of people, but Father, you personally know each and every one of us, and you long to have a relationship with us. Father, I pray that we would continue to grow closer to you. 
God, that we can would continue to hear your word, to hear your voice, God. And then, more importantly, God, that we would tell everybody about who you are. God, that this church would be known for preaching your good news, God, as we've been learning about the gospel and the good news, God, that we would just be so excited um, without hesitation, God, with boldness, that we would go out and tell the world of who you are because we love you and we're so grateful for everything that you've done for us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Really quick, I did forget to say that we have more bumper stickers, so Pastor Rob has those. I think we're going to put them out in the hallway. So if you want to grab one, there's the little guys. I think now we have medium guys. We got little, medium, and big guys. So <laughs> so if you're going to put those on your cars, that would be awesome. All right, thank you. I've made it through so far. You know, sometimes they just, I don't understand technical issues. I mean, I actually, that's the problem is I do understand them. And so, so I have to go fix them. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, and I think we're online, and I think Felicia's going to make sure that's going good. Wow. All right, we are in the book of Mark. We are continuing the journey. We started three weeks ago. Uh, we're just going to go through the book of Mark. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 2, and there was a lot more in chapter 1 um, that we could have hit, but we'll probably come around and hit some of those same topics as we go on in our, in our study, in our look in Mark. Let's, uh, I know we've, we've prayed a lot today, but I need, to, I need to just calm my heart again one more time. Sometimes, anyways. Father, as uh, we get into this time in, in Mark 2, Lord, I pray that you would uh, minister, touch each of us, open up our hearts, our minds, to hear what the Spirit wants to say to us, the church. God, I pray that my words would be clear, and um, they would be, uh, they'd be your words, Lord. Um, bless this time in, in the Word. Bless the, the hears here uh, in the building. Bless those that are online. Um, even as more people have been uh, tuning in, uh, even from other states, God, we just pray that you'd bless them this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yes, we have a few people beginning to join us from other states in Washington and somebody from Minnesota that I didn't even know. So praise the Lord. Um, so Mark chapter 2. I, I want us to remember last week's message forever, but as we go on and talk about um, even this week, remember that last week we discussed, as, as good as I could, as I was a little foggy from being uh, sick, um, the, the gospel that Jesus preached was that the kingdom of God was here. And, it, and it's transformational. 
part of the kingdom of God being here was that Jesus came and he eventually he died when he was here. But the kingdom of God, we walk now in the kingdom of God. We talked that the kingdom of God is now, but it's not yet. We're living in parts of it. We see it, but we will fully see it. We, we experience it when we see uh, God do anything, when anything happens. Uh, we, we see the kingdom of God. We see the kingdom of God because nature is nature and it's beautiful. We see the kingdom of God when somebody gets saved. We see the kingdom of God at work when, when we see a healing. We see the kingdom of God at work uh, when there's a miracle or a prophetic word. We see the kingdom of God in our own lives when God ministers to us in such an intimate way that you just know that God had done something. Is that a happen? to you where you just like God was there he gave me hope he gave me peace he delivered me that's all part of the kingdom of God that's the part of the kingdom that's now but the part that's not yet is that someday there'll be no more tears they'll, they'll, they'll be gone there'll be no more sickness we won't have to get healed because we will be fully in the kingdom of God and there won't be sickness we live in a fallen world and, and there's always that question, why do good things happen or why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there sickness? Uh, that's such a huge type of part of it is that we live in a fallen world. This is not what God uh, wants for us fully. And remember, we went back to the Garden of Eden was his design. It was a picture of the kingdom of God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had no sin. They had no sickness. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They knew him intimately. But that fellowship was broken when sin entered the, the, the picture. Really, what, when we think of heaven, going back to be with Christ, go being with God is, is a picture. You can really look at the Garden of Eden and go, that's it. Perfection, nothing separating us, no shame. I mean, you, shame, we, we all have so much guilt and shame. We hide it. We're, we're afraid that people are going to know our secrets. Imagine a time when there is no shame. And, and the picture, okay, we're all adults in here, so we'll still get some giggles probably. The picture of no shame was that Adam and Eve were naked. You know, you kind of go, you know, I don't want to envision this right now, but imagine if we were all naked. <laughs> I think I would be naked and afraid. Okay, and you should be too. Right? I mean, think, think about, has, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, you know, back in a prank when you were in camp or something, you, something happened and somebody took your towel or hid your clothes and you had to do some type of a, a naked march. You ever have to do that? I've, I've had to do that. You know, it's, it's really hard to be just confident and bold in those moments. Why? Because we're kind of shameful. The picture of, of imagine when that wouldn't matter. No shame. And, and not just about our bodies. No shame. There's just nothing. God, I can't wait for heaven. You have it, I have it. That story that we still don't want anyone to know. They know part of it, but there's details we still haven't told yet, isn't there? Because we're like, I, I know I've told part of it, but I just don't want them to know that. That's, that's the kingdom of God fully realized in the future. But yet we're walking in it now. We're believing the kingdom of God to come and, and touch uh, the people we're praying for. You know, we're, we want to see a miracle for Mona. If, if a miracle happens, that's the kingdom of God at work. So as we go on, remember that Jesus was telling the disciples... 
and everyone he came in contact with. He's calling his disciples still. We're, in chapter 2, he calls Matthew um, after where we're going to talk about today. So he's calling his disciples. He's telling these people that the kingdom of God is here. So when you're reading Mark in your own time in here, every time he does a miracle, it's another step. It's another sign that he is explaining, demonstrating, showing the kingdom of God. Everything. It's about what the kingdom of God is. So we're going to get into, into chapter 2. And, and I want to, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I think there's something in here for us this morning. Um, Jesus went around, he was preaching, his fame was beginning to spread, people were beginning to follow him. He returned to Capernaum. After some days, it was reported that he was at home. Uh, just a side note, it's probably in the house of uh, Peter and Andrew. Uh, because um, that's where he, he camped out a lot when he was in Capernaum. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, there is so much good stuff in here. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. In their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they were thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? And then he goes on. This is, this is important and powerful. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. And that's so such a powerful, powerful pa passage. There's so much in there. So um, this message, I'm not a titler. I, I don't do titles hardly ever. Uh, you know, I come up with corny titles anyway. So my corny title, if I were to title this message, would be the 4-H Club. Because there's four, there's four groups in here that we're going to talk about this morning in this section. The 4-H's is that we have a paralytic. The paralytic is helpless. It's the first H. So there's a, there's, there's a, a helpless person in this setting. And we're going to talk about that there's a helpless person in our settings as well. There's going to be people who bring the helpless person to Jesus. Those are the helpers. So we have the helpless and we have the helpers. And Jesus, of course, is the healer. The, Jesus is the healer. We, need, we all need a healer. This paralytic, he needed a healer. And so what's the other H? The other H is, is a difficult one because that's the hindrances. And I want to talk a little bit about each one. We're not going to actually talk a lot about Jesus because we know, we know Jesus. We know that he's the healer. We know that he's God. We know. So we're going to just leave him being the healer. And we're going to talk about some of the things that, that explain again who he is in this passage, um, saying that he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good man. Jesus has to be more than that. He has to be more than that. And he proves it right here that he's more than that. So if you ever run into somebody who says, yeah, I thought Jesus was a pretty cool dude, good teacher, prophet, respected, 
up there, right up there with Buddha. Sorry, he and Buddha. Buddha was a wise man. Buddha had great things to say. You know, even some of the things that Buddha taught, Jesus taught the same things. Did you know that? Yeah. Buddha and Jesus, no comparison. Buddha was a man trying to figure things out. Jesus was God. He didn't have to figure anything out. He created it all. People like Buddha who thinks they, they figured some things out, they just figured out what Jesus created. No comparison. So we have Jesus the healer, we have the helpless, we have the helpers, and we have the hindrances. And so one of the first things is, is they're together in a house. And, and we don't understand the, the culture here. I don't even know for sure how big this house was, but they have uncovered some houses. When you read about houses in, in the book of Acts and even here, some of the houses that they discovered ha would house 100 to 120 people in them. That's a house. We don't know the difference of the word when we read, when we see the word house. We don't know for sure if it was for one family or for all the cousins. Okay? Most cultures, most cultures have had lots of time where they lived together. We're one of the first cultures who've really gotten away from that. But we all know the cultures, you know, the Hispanic culture, they live together. Down in Mexico, in some of those places, I spent a lot of time in Mexico and Guatemala, when they have a house, when they start having kids, when their kids get old, often they just build another room onto their house and the kids live in that room. Okay, so some of these houses were very large. This could have been a larger house. The amount of people there could have been more than like, if you came to my house and I said, yeah, there was a lot of people in my house, that would be like 12 of us because it's a small house. There could have been 50, 60, 70, 100 people in that house. Remember, the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell was a house. That was a room that held 120 people. Okay? So they're in this house. We don't know how many people. It's so full that they try to get in and they cannot get in, but they want the paralytic to see Jesus. This is so many people that they can't just go, excuse me, excuse me, we've got somebody who needs Jesus. That's not working. I'm, to, I'm, I'm like, that is crazy. I, it reminds me of those times when I was young. I used to go down to, here's going to date me, Club Metro, down, you know, the old dance club back in the 1980s. And just so many people, I mean, you're just kind of squished and everyone's moving around like this. And, you know, you can't move anywhere. Yes, it's full. Full. This is the house. And, and it's probably loud because they're having a hard time. So here's what they do. They climb up onto the roof. Now, the roof of this house, likely a typical roof in, in, in this area, flat. And, and, and sometimes the upper room, they would have a room on top that had a little bit of a covering. It wasn't, didn't, wouldn't always have all walls, had a little bit of covering. And they would, that's where they would gather all the families together, would be maybe on top. It's that possible. It's flat, and the and the the roof is made of of earth hardened earth. And the actual way that they got in, there was no latch, there wasn't a flip up. They the scriptures actually the real word in the Greek means they dug through the roof because it's made of earth. Isn't that nice of them? So nice. Somebody comes over to your house and says, man, I, I got to get in. I got to get in. Give me the skill saw. I'm going to cut up some of these shingles and drop in from the top. I know they won't mind. <laughs> these four helpers are desperate to get the helpless man to Jesus. That they're willing to vandalize the neighbor. 
The paralytic was probably a neighbor. They were very close to the synagogue. He, he may have been a member of the synagogue. Uh, and so they bring him over. They cut through and they lower him right in front. And, and so this is a, a great message. These helpers, who are they? We have no idea. But they believe that Jesus can help their friend. That's what I know. They believe that Jesus can do something for their friend. This is more than like, you need something? I heard there's this guy, maybe something, you know, sure, let's go see him. Maybe at the beginning that was it, but when they didn't get in, when, when it's that bad, I'd be like, you know, we'll just get him another day. It's probably, nah. I've never climbed up on somebody's roof and cut a hole in it to get in. Have you? These guys believe. They have faith. They have faith that Jesus can do something for them, for their friend. Not only do they have faith. See, I've, I, you've heard that, you may have heard this message, a similar message preached. I mean, there's, all, these messages have been preached. I've heard it uh, in different forms. And they always talk about the faith. And, and I went, no, they, they had more than faith. They had courage. They had to do something crazy in order to match their faith. They didn't just believe it. They, they, they're kind of staking a lot on this. We're going to dig through somebody's roof and do this. So they had courage and they had faith. And they wanted their friend to go before Jesus. They wanted, they needed the healer. The helpless needed the healer. And the helpless always need a helper to get to the healer. They always need a helper to get to the, to the healer. And, and, and already, hopefully you're beginning to think that's true. Because I was helpless. So this says, he, he was a paralytic and and, and, and in my time, instead, I went, you know, that's, that's been me. I've been paralyzed. I've never been physically paralyzed. I've been emotionally paralyzed. I've had so much stress in my life that I've been paralyzed. Some people have phobias. They have things in their life, divorces, deaths. Issues come up, and it really becomes paralyzing. And we need, we need helpers to help us get to the healer. And, and all of us at one time, everyone who's ever called the name of the Lord Jesus was helpless because you can't save yourself. Sometimes we didn't know that we were helpless, but we, we could not do good enough, try hard enough to actually make our way to, to heaven. And we were helpless to gain that. And the healer came and he, and he saved me, but there were helpers along the way. Helpers that talked to me about Jesus, who took me to church, who who, who taught me Sunday Bible time in Sunday school. My sister was one of the helpers that was used in my life to bring me to faith. She, she would gather all the neighborhood kids, and she was just uh, nine years older than me, and I was probably six or seven years old at the most, so she was 16, 15, 16, and she gathered all the neighborhood kids, and she would teach them once a week about Jesus. And we sang these songs, soon and very soon, or surely soon we're going to see the king. And, and, you know, one way God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. I remember singing the song. Back there we had, the, we had the popsicle sticks with the puppets on them and things, and they were wonderful. And she was a helper who, who helped me and all the neighborhood kids find Christ. Later, there was a youth pastor from this church who, who took me under a wing because I, I received Christ at a really young age, but then I went out and lived like, lived like hell. 
I mean, I was, I was on my way. You know, I was, I was sharing with, uh, with Brian this week some of my, my testimony. I was in sixth grade. Sixth grade, I was smoking pot and drinking. I was selling pot at, at school. Actually, I was smarter than that. I was selling used bags that had pot in it, and I was putting oregano in it, and I was selling that at school. I was in sixth grade. My, my job, I always joke around, my job for, for the parties that we had, we grew up with parties in our house, lots of drinking and drugs, lots of, drink, lots of drinking and, and drugs too. Uh, my job was that I was the official cocaine line cutter for all the, all the snorting in sixth grade, so I'd cut up all the lines. I got really good. Do the razor blade and make all these lines, I'd pass them out, and then I got to you know, put the cocaine on my gums. I was on my way to hell. And, and I, I thought I was a Christian because I got saved at such a young age. I didn't, I knew nothing. And, and as, a, as a teenager, somebody, my sister came back to faith because she had backslid. She came back to faith. We came to church and my youth pastor loved me, loved me in a way that, that, that no one outside of my family had ever loved me. Tracy Green makes me cry thinking about her. She loved me and she was a helper. She helped me find Christ. Thank God for the helpers. I pray that I've been a helper to other people. I pray that you can be a helper to help other people come to Christ. Do, it, do whatever it is that you can do to help somebody come to the one who did something for you. I believe that these four helpers probably experienced something from Jesus themselves. That would, that would explain why they had so much conviction, so much faith, so much courage to do what they did. They saw, they heard, they received something, and they said, we know this guy can do something for you too. That's you, and that's me. What has Jesus done for you? What has God done for you that you can tap into? Part of the thing, church, I know how this goes because I've been saved a long time. We have these awesome encounters with Christ. I mean, I mean when I was young, I was a fool for Jesus. I was witnessing to everything that moved. I would take my Bible to church, to, to school. I would preach in the hallways. I got in trouble. I, I gave, I hated public speaking. I hated it. I, when we had to do speeches in, in high school, I would crumple all my notes and sweat. And I, most of the time I just took an F. I didn't want to do it. But when I got saved, I knew that I had to start sharing my faith. So I had to do a comparative book study. I compared the book of Matthew to the book of Mark, and I gave an altar call to get saved. Right in my English class. Mrs. Dawson was, was my teacher at the time. She let me do it. I was a nut for Jesus. I was out on the street. I was in Hollywood and New York carrying cross. My life was threatened. It was, it was, it was a great young teenage time. I mean, I went everywhere. I just, just loved Jesus, preached him. What do you remember that? Did you have something like that? Do you go, why isn't it like that anymore? I, I, I sometimes go, what, what happened? I, I, don't, I don't have the answer. But I know that sometimes it cools off a little bit. And sometimes we even question, what's it all about? What's, what's this walk of, of faith? I'm having a hard day. We need to tap back into the things that we remember that God actually did. You go, wait a second, God did that. No one can take that memory away. No one can take that healing away. No one can take that experience away. I haven't experienced that in a little while, but that was real. Tap into that and go, I know somebody who's helpless, who needs 
a touch like that. And I'm going to do everything I can, everything in my power. I'm going to dig through some roofs if I have to. What can you do? I mean, there's simple things. I mean, one of the first things they did was just they got the guy to Jesus. Once they, once they got, you know, they, they got in the parking lot, then they're like, we're just going to get them over to the parking lot. We'll get them in the building. It's all going to be good. They're dragging Ralph along with them. You know, whatever his name was. I don't know what his name was. It probably wasn't Ralph, you know, but, but it might have been. Ralph's a good name, right? I mean, and they're dragging him, and all of a sudden they go, wow, now what? We can't get in. And they said, we're not giving up. We're not giving up. So what can you do? Maybe you got a neighbor. You got to go pick them up and bring them. Bring them to Jesus. Bring them to a place that the gospel is being taught and preached and shared. Not that you can't do it yourself, but you can be a helper. Now, I haven't talked about the fourth one. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hitting these quick, but the, the fourth group is, is, unfortunately, it's the hindrances. So we're, we're, all, we're, all, we're all disciples in here. We've got some visitors. It's great that you're here this morning. Glad, great to have you. It's awesome. So we're, 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 we're trying to be Jesus' disciples. The, one of the mottos for, for the Journey Church is one step closer to Jesus. We want to help grow and take everyone we come in contact with one step closer to Jesus every day. That's what we want to do. So we're, we're doing that. We're all here, right? Well, the people that were in the room with Jesus were some of his disciples, likely. They were the people who had already heard about Jesus, and they're like, man, i got to keep following this guy. He's got the words of life. They were so excited that they wouldn't let the paralytic in. That's been us. We're having such a good time at church that we don't want to let the helpless person in. Just praising God and waving flags, and there's somebody who needs Jesus. We got to make sure that as his disciples, we don't become hindrances to somebody coming to Christ. This room before COVID was, would get full, and it's going to get full again in Jesus' name. We've already we've got plans, and we, we're going to by faith we're going to bust out the front wall. We needed it before, and it, it's awesome when these when these seats are full. And there's been times the seats were all full, and I saw somebody come into the back. I'm like, man, you know what are we going to do? And when I see it's a visitor, I go. God, please put it on one of, one of the hearts of, of the people here, one of the sheep, one of the disciples, to get up out of their seat and let somebody else who's helpless have a seat. Let's not become a hindrance. Let's not become a hindrance with the way we live. See, today we can think of a lot of people who've hindered the gospel, people who lived poorly. You know, there, there, there's a, a saying that it was... Um, uh, it, it might have been Gandhi who, who was accredited as saying, I, I would have considered becoming a Christian if it wasn't for all the Christians. Now, I think that's a bad rap because there's a lot of great Christians. But we can all say, yeah, there are some who've hindered. They, 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 they hinder people. Sometimes it's because they preach a gospel that's untrue. Sometimes it's they profess to live one way. And I'm not saying struggle. We all struggle, but they profess to live one way and, and live purposely another. See, that's hypocrisy, is when you're, you're professing one thing, but you're purposely living different, not somebody who's trying, who falls. I, I mean, I try and I fail, and I, I'm looking around the room, I'm looking, I'm probably in good company. 
But we don't want to be that person who hinders people from, from coming to Christ. From the, from the wrong message that we teach. Or the wrong living. Self-righteousness. We, 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 could, we could go on and think of some things like, yeah, that, that might hinder somebody. Becoming too wishy-washy in our faith is going to hinder somebody coming to Jesus. Because if Jesus says, He's the only way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And we preach a softer gospel. says, you know, there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. You hindered somebody from getting there because that's untrue. If, 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 if somebody asks you your, your belief in whether this sin is right or wrong, there's a lot of things we can say to help them understand where we're coming from. But at the end, we have to make sure that they said, listen, this is what the Bible says about that issue. It says that that thing is wrong. There's a lot of things that are wrong, and we're all a work in progress, but we need to be working at leaving that lifestyle, those things that are not of God, and work at coming to Christ. And I tell you, it's a, it's a process for some. It's a process for all of us, but there's, there's some things in our lives, some addictions, some things like that. It's a process, but if, are we moving one step closer to Jesus? Let's be that. Let's teach that. Let's help people come as we become helpers and not hindrances. People need the healer. In John chapter 4, we see another awesome example of Jesus. His love, His care, His ability to, to not get sucked into to, uh, arguments that are meaningless. Sometimes when, when, when we share our faith with someone, they, this, is a, this is an older one, I still hear it, uh, but it used to sound like this. You know, Jesus is the only way, and you've got you've to receive Christ in order to go to heaven. Well, yeah, but what about all the pygmies in Africa? Remember that one? The pygmies in Africa question. As we had the, what do you mean? Well, they, what if nobody tells them? What if, no, you know, what if nobody tells them? Are they going to go to hell? And, they, and people want to have this conversation. They don't want to have the conversation. But, but the pygmies in Africa was a, a sidestep to, the, to the, real, the real question. So I just started saying, man, you really care about the pygmies in Africa. <laughs> do you know any? Have you been there? Well, what? Well, well, well. No, no, no. Let's not talk about. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. So here Jesus is. He's in a place that he shouldn't be. He's a Jew. He's in Samaria. Samaria. He's thirsty. He sits down, and Jesus knows what's about to happen. And here comes this woman. It's noontime. He, a woman's coming to draw water. Women don't come to draw water at noontime in the wells. It's too hot. They come in the morning or in the evening. It's just tradition. They'd all gather there. They'd fill up their water buckets, which were heavy. But she's there at noon, and Jesus is there at noon. Why is she there at noon? Jesus finds out. The reason she's there at noon is because she's an outcast. We'll find out through the story that she's had five husbands, and she's shacking up with a man that's not her husband. And she's a Samaritan, and Jesus is having a conversation with her, and he asks her for water. 
And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan, for water? And he says, if you knew who was asking you. Jesus goes, I give you living waters. I give you living waters. And you would never thirst again. Jesus is going right for that. And, she, and, and at one point, Jesus is talking to her. And um, he, she, he says, bring your husband. And she goes, oh, I, I have no husband. And Jesus goes, you're right. You've had five. And you're, the one you're with right now, not your husband. You're living with him. And, she's, and she brings up the pygmies in Africa. <laughs> That's what she does. She goes, I perceive you're a prophet. Isn't that great? I really, what she's going is, man, this guy is like reading my mail. So she goes, the Jews say that you should only worship in the temple and we should worship on the mountain. Does she care about that? Probably not. She just wants the attention anywhere but on her. And Jesus just brings it right back. He's cutting through. Jesus ministers life and hope and mercy and forgiveness to this woman. And what does she do? This lonely woman who doesn't want to be with anybody else, so she comes to gather water at noon so she doesn't have to encounter anybody, runs to town to tell everybody about Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? She was hiding, and the next thing you know, she's going to all the people that probably don't like her. Heck, there might have been some guys in the room that knew her too well and didn't want her to be around, if you know what I mean. And she goes to town, and she says, you need to come out. This might be the Messiah. And she becomes a helper to bring people to Jesus, to the healer. And those people, they came... And they even tell her later, they said, we came just because of your testimony, but now we know this is God. Be a helper. Don't be a hindrance. Find, the, find those helpless people. You know them already. You don't have to go look very far and be a helper and bring them to Jesus. And, and, and I, I want to just hit this part just, just real quick because it's, it's who Jesus is. When they bring the paralytic, they, they lay him down. Obviously, this guy, and I, I, don't, I, don't, want to be, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but they're, they're lowering a man who can't walk and maybe can't move his arms. It, it probably looks obvious that he's not doing very well. I mean, you know, his legs are limp and whatever is going on. He, he's, he's got a need, in other words, and it's obvious. And Jesus saw their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. He wasn't coming to get his sins forgiven. He was coming to Jesus. He needed to be healed. But Jesus knew that the greatest need was not a physical healing. The greatest need is never a physical healing. The greatest need is what he did. Son, your sins are forgiven. In fact, he's about to heal him. But the healing is a byproduct of proving that Jesus is God and that the kingdom of God was here. And, the, and they perceive, and this, this is awesome, they perceived in their heart and then Jesus called them with his voice about what they were thinking. You ever have somebody do that to you? Like, kind of, and all of a sudden somebody like, tells you what you're thinking, you're like, how'd you know? 
This is, this is intense. He says, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to be healed, rise up and walk. Now, I've, I've, I've asked that question and, and some people say, well, I, th- I think it's, easy, it's easier to say you're, you're to rise up and walk. I said, no, it's, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven because you can't prove it. I, I could say to you, your blood just turned yellow inside of you. You wouldn't know. Your heart just switched places in your chest. It's now on the other side. You, you can't verify that without doing something about it. Your sins are forgiven. Great. See, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? Well, it's to say your sins are forgiven. He says, but to prove that I am who I say I am, get up. He was healing him to prove that he had the power, ability to put that man in right relationship with the Father to forgive his sins. Salvation is primary. Anything else is secondary. But guess what gets people to come to Jesus? Their need. It's their need. But when they get here, we got to make sure they get Jesus. Feeding ministries are great. But if they're not getting Jesus too, we just feed them. Doctor ministries are great, but if they're not getting Jesus, they're going to come for surgery, but they need to get Jesus because the first and greatest thing is that salvation. We don't want to be the hindrances. We want to be helpers to bring people to the healer who knows that the greatest thing is forgiveness of sins, new life, salvation in him. It's... It's what we have to be consumed with. Let our prayer be, God, make us like these four helpers. Faithful, faith-filled, and courageous. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for just another chapter, another part of, of the gospel that you're, you're showing us, God, this the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark, and seeing the faithful and faith-filled friends of the helpless man who did everything in their power. They even looked past the hindrances and got their helpless friend to the healer. God, I pray that we would first recognize that we're helpless without you that we need the healer we need the healer too whether we're struggling with an addiction or a, a physical healing or anything else we'd come to you but you'd also deal with our sin get us into right relationship with you and then also minister to the needs that we have then i pray god that we could be like the woman at the well and these four faithful immediately help us to go out and Help our friends and our family and those in our cities and those in our neighborhoods come find out that this Jesus might actually be the one we need, the one we hope for, the Messiah, the Christ, God in the flesh, better than any politician. God, I pray that we would recognize if we're being a hindrance to somebody coming to faith 
through our actions, through our speech, through just being unaware of what's happening around us. Help us to never be a hindrance, but always to move towards being a helper, to bring people to the healer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.